welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I got two game recaps for you. I got the OKC Thunder Nuggets game from Friday night and the OKC Blue G League Ignite game from midday yesterday. Before I go into this podcast, guys, I don't know where you all are. I'm in Oklahoma right now, so it's super cold. My kind of setup where I do these podcasts, it's relegated to the garage. So I got it pretty rough right now. I'm freezing. We don't have a heater in here. So I'm doing this in like, I don't know what temperature it is. It's really cold though. It hasn't gotten this bad until today. I just had a man up, had to do this thing. So I don't know where you guys are. Just make sure, I mean, if you guys are in Oklahoma, I think the, the ice is like, at least where I'm at, the ice is gone, the sun's out, so get your crap now, because, I mean, once the snow comes in, it's going to be a sucky, rough patch of days, but, yeah, I don't know. For people who aren't in the mix of this, probably sounds really weird, but, yeah, just just stay safe, don't do anything stupid. There's going to be a lot of ice in these next coming days, so just be ready for it, but going into the games from yesterday, starting with the OKC Nuggets game the thunder i don't know what the deal is it doesn't matter who is playing for them they always are the first people to strike against teams the thunder went on a 6-0 run to start the game and this is without sga sga is sitting out again with his knee you got guys like diallo in the starting unit for you again you got kenrich williams you got dort you got Baisley, and you got horford and you're still stringing up a 6-0 run on the denver nuggets who outside of what, Gary Harris and P.J. Dozier, I think those are their main rotational pieces, who are out, they got their main core unit. They got Jokic, they got Murray, they got Will Barton, they got Porter Jr., and they got Millsap. Run the tables quick. And they just rallied behind Al Horford. Al Horford has been Mr. Consistent this whole entire season. You can't leave him open. That's what Jokic did. And he scored the first seven of eight points for the Thunder in the first half, and he dropped 12 in the first period alone. So he really just led them to a 28-16 lead through the first 12. And OKC, they weren't hot from three. They were just two of eight. So they had to work their way inside, and they were doing a great job at it. They went 11 out of 20 on twos. I think only one of those shots was a mid-range. They had 20 points in the paint out of their 28 Nuggets could not stop them. It wasn't just Horford going in. You got Diallo slashing in the basket, but you got Biggs and Isaiah Roby and Kenrich Williams. Roby finally comes back, and he starts three of three inside in the first quarter. And Kenrich Williams, the baseline god, he's walking the tightrope again, going for backdoor cuts, and the Nuggets did not have an answer. He went two of four in that first quarter, so they were up 12. They've always been, like, like the past couple games, they've always had this huge lead. It's just a matter of can they hold on to things. And what they did was they didn't want to work on the threes anymore. So they wanted to try to catch the Nuggets off guard by just swapping game plans. They went right to the three-point line, and they were getting a pretty good use out of it because they shot 44% on four of nine shots in the second And get this, Justin Jackson was the man of the quarter for both sides. He comes in from being like a rotational piece who looks okay some games and other games everyone's clowning on him. He shot shot everybody up. He had 10 points in the second quarter on 3 of 5 shooting. 
two of four from downtown, and he got two steals in that quarter alone. So he led an 8-0 scoring run in the second to push the Thunder lead as high as 19. But the Nuggets, they closed out pretty well in the quarter. They went on a 9-3 run to tighten it to 53-40 by halftime. So just a plus one advantage for the Thunder in the quarter. You take that, you just need to hold on with a double-digit lead, and you're going to get the W there. Main reason why the Thunder slipped up a little bit at the end of that game it's because Jokic, he was able to get down low again. He got two very easy tip-in layups, pretty much uncontested, around the rim in like the final two minutes. So that was four out of his 16 points in the first half. Looked very good. I think he was silenced a little bit. You're going to say, yeah, he scored 16 points. But in comparison to what he was doing in the first game that he played the Thunder... I wouldn't consider this that bad because Jokic had like 28 points. He almost got like a triple-double when he played us in like 20-some-odd minutes. Only getting 16 in, in first half, I'll take it as long as he's not killing us when it comes to assists and rebounds. So it was all right there. I think the main factors that ended up contributing to the Thunder being up in that first half, you got to start out with rebounding. And sure, the Nuggets did look good at the end of the second quarter getting rebounds, but it was kind of just a one-man show with Nikola Jokic. When we just break down the halftime statistics, the OKC Thunder out-rebounded them 26-20, to and it came a lot from some of these younger forward, you know, actually positionless guys, I'd like to say. When it comes to players such as Kenrich Williams, he had five rebounds. Hamadou Diallo had three rebounds, and then off the bench, you got guys like Roby with two, Darius Miller gets two, Muscala gets two, and so does Justin Jackson. So everybody was helping to contribute. As with the Nuggets, really cannot say the same with that. So rebounding, big, big deal there. Also, the Nuggets, they were freezing cold from the perimeter. They shot four of 22 in the first half from outside. The Lakers, they had a cold spell from deep. Looked like the Nuggets had that same sort of issue. And that's going to affect these stat lines in a large way. And also just looking at turnovers. The Thunder only had four turnovers in that first half. Nuggets had eight. That leads to a lot of points you can get off of the turnovers. And the Thunder ended up leading that category 13-2. to So they were just giving up free baskets to the Thunder, that's the way they're going to win. If you're giving away freebies and making stupid decisions, OKC will strike back at you and catch the W. But there are still 24 minutes to be played, and OKC was still hot. They started 3 of 5 from downtown. They were all coming off of assists, but then the Nuggets, they got a little bit into the mix here. They went on a 13-4 run in the middle of the quarter to push the lead to just six. Cut it right down. And then the Thunder, they actually decided they wanted to get back in the conversation. They were able to get it up to 12 with seconds remaining in the quarter. You're looking pretty solid. You fended them off. There's only like three seconds left. Nuggets just got to chuck it down court and hope for the best. So it gets inbounded to Jamal Murray. He ends up getting pinned around the half-court line, like right 
half court. He's almost stepping out of bounds, and he just has to chuck up a shot with two guys on him because everybody just closed in, didn't get the contact, pretty much not going to work out. Heaves it up and actually gets really close to going in, but it was pretty apparent that this shot was going to end up going just a little bit long, maybe clank the left side of the rim and then fly loose. But Hamadou Diallo, he ends up skying up for this thing, and he grabs the ball while it was above the cylinder. That's three points. Murray got it off right before the buzzer sounded, so he jumps up, he taps it. Everyone on the Thunder team is pissed off. I remember seeing on Twitter, Mike Muscala specifically, he could not believe what he was seeing. Dagnall probably was facepalming. And the Nuggets, they were all celebrating. I think Michael Porter Jr., Kind of threw both his arms up in the air. He couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. I was on a phone call with uh, my buddy Nick. I had him on a couple times, like maybe two months ago or something. We were both really, really uh, emotional over that play. That was kind of crazy, but cut it to single digits going into quarter number four. It was just a nine-point game. And the Nuggets, they were able to trim it by just working inside. They didn't want to jack up threes anymore. They knew that it wasn't going to work out for them. So they went strong in the paint. They went 12 of 22 in the quarter on twos. And 18 of their 30 points came from inside. Thunder still had a one-man show in Justin Jackson. He had eight points in the quarter on three of four shooting, including a vicious and one. We are seeing a different side of Justin Jackson in this game. He just needed to help the Thunder to hold off the Nuggets. And the Nuggets, they actually got a really good chance to take this game at the beginning of the fourth quarter because the Thunder started one of ten in the first five minutes. That's going to lead to a change in the scoreboard for sure. The Nuggets went on an 11-3 run in that time to make it a one-possession game. The Thunder, they clued in just in the nick of time because they got on a 6-0 run to extend the lead with 4 minutes 30 seconds to go. But the Nuggets, they were still fighting. Just a 3-point game with just over 2 minutes. And Kenrich Williams was very clutch because in an opportunity to let the Nuggets tie or take the lead, Williams off of offense rebounds because the Thunder have the ball. Chuck up one three. Williams scrambles for it, snags it, kicks it right back out for another three. No good. He runs over to the other side to grab the ball, passes it back out. He gets two offensive rebounds in this play, but the Thunder don't have anything to show for it. All three of those deep balls were off the mark. And on the other end, Michael Porter Jr. This guy's like a 6'10", 7-foot wingspan, crazy athletic forward. I mean, he's going to go up there and get a layup on the other end in transition. Not much you can do about that. Thunder kept being cold. Nuggets made him pay. Jokic took the lead with a layup. And then Will Barton got a three to extend the lead to four with 42 seconds to go. Thunder, they obviously need a score here with 42 seconds. And Hamadou Diallo, Point Diallo, ends up getting the basketball. And Hamadou Diallo, he was nice. He had 16 points in this game. 
He wanted to make it 18. So he charges right into the paint. Jamal Murray is right on top of it. He gets over for the charge. Diallo runs right into him. That's not only an offensive foul, but it's also Diallo's sixth personal foul. He got booted from the game in one of the biggest plays. So made a pretty, you know, dumb decision uh, at the end of quarter three, and then he makes a pretty crucial error. It is what it is. He had to get subbed out, and then it kind of just turned into praying. And luckily, the Nuggets, they weren't like forcing a three, or they weren't like draining the clock. They missed their shot, so the Thunder got another chance, and Darius Baisley ran right inside and picked up two free throws with 17 seconds to go, and Baisley ends up hitting them both. So 17 seconds, two-point Nuggets lead. What do you do here? Do you try to force the steal or you immediately foul? The Thunder, they decided to just foul. They got Monte Morris, and then he went along to tack on two points. So you're still looking at a two-possession game right here. Thunder, you may just want to look for the three, but Mark Dagnall was adamant. They wanted a two. They wanted the quick shots to try to turn this and continue this into a three-point or free-throw contest. My apologies. So, timeout, advance the basketball, give it right inside the Dort, clear path to the lane because the Nuggets, with like 10 seconds now, they're not expecting this to be a two-pointer. They'll give it away to Lou Dort. So he takes the layup, cut it to two again, and then you gotta foul Jamal Murray. So Jamal Murray gets fouled. He's gonna make it from the free throw line. You saw him in the Orlando bubble. He kept the magic up. And he hit two free throws, pushing it up to four. You're going to advance the ball again. Now, you can't, you literally can't shoot a two now. Four-point game. You cut it to two. That's great. You got to miraculously get a steal and then get your shot up. And, like, just, you don't even have much time. But Mark Dagnall, he still wanted to go inside. So Darius Baisley gets it, and he puts up two points. I got him on my fantasy team, so... I'm not complaining, but ended up maybe hurting the Thunder. You only got 1.5 seconds left, and they need two points. So, the Nuggets, they end up trying to throw it down the floor. Gets in the hands of RJ Hampton. He gets hacked. And now there's like 0.7 seconds. And if you guys know, I mean, if the other team has no timeouts, you're going to make the first shank the second that's your ball game rj hampton missed the first but on the second attempt you got mike malone screaming in his ear you gotta miss it nuggets players probably telling him he probably already knew but he goes up there just throws a fastball at the front iron misses that is the ball game nuggets win 97 to 93 for the nuggets that moved them up to 14 and 11 OKC ends up falling to 10 and 15. Gut wrencher there. As a Thunder fan, one thing that I love is win or loss, I have a good time. I feel like in maybe like the Westbrook, Paul George era, especially, I was watching, expecting them to win every single game. And a game like this where we slip up a lead would make me tear my hair out. I'd start ranting about Billy Donovan. That's not what I do now. I'm not mad because... You know, if you're barely losing without SGA, 
It's a positive for you that tells you where some of your other guys are on the roster, but you're also falling down and getting future draft assets and lottery picks. Strengthen the odds in the number one selection. I think if you include our pick and the Miami Heat pick, we actually have the number one chance at the first pick in this draft. And that's only going to keep going up if we're losing. So not that bad. If we beat the Nuggets, I would still be very happy about it because we just took it right to Jokic, Murray, all those guys, and snuck out with a W without debatably, well, not even debatably, just our best player in Shea Gorgeous Alexander. But this game, there was a lot of positives. And you gotta start with Justin Jackson. The question needs to be raised. Should Justin Jackson have rotational minutes? He goes in there and is the Thunder's best player without a doubt on the night. Justin Jackson plays 28 minutes off the bench and he gives you 20 points on an uber efficient 7 of 11 shooting. 3 of 5 from downtown. Gets you 3 boards, 3 assists, and 2 steals. That is his high in a Thunder uniform. I don't even know what he's cracked before the 20-point performance. I think he's gotten a couple double-digit games here and there, but definitely no 20-piece until this. I think Fox Sports Oklahoma had a little graphic up. Last time he had 20-plus points was back in 2019. So two years ago, Justin Jackson getting over the hump, and he looked like a great player. Normally, he'll go in. He's not playing real kinds of minutes, so... The shots that he's taking are just low quality, and he has a wide-open guy, maybe at, like, the wing while he's baseline shooting his really long floater, and he's not even looking over there. I mean, sometimes he was still doing that, but the big difference is he was making the shots, so you can't get mad at him. He was hitting you with floaters, catching shoots. He was beasting and feasting. We need shooters off of the bench right now. And if Justin Jackson can continue to be a catch-and-shoot guy, he instantly gets the minutes. Because, surprisingly, I mean, he's only six foot seven, and he's slotted at power forward. He's really not that fast, so I think he's about as athletic as your common power forward in the league. But he's not as tall, and he's not as strong. He hasn't looked too terrible against some of them as of late, and he can still slide down to the three. He's not going to be as fast, but he does have the frame. When you get down to the two guard, it's a little shaky, but he can play the three or four for you pretty well defensively. And offensively, yeah, uh, he needs to be a catch-and-shoot guy. That's why he was brought onto the team. And he's even branching out to that floater. And honestly, that might have been his number one shot coming into the year. Now shooting well, he, it, it looks good for him. And when he's getting those floaters... It just gives him even more of a strong case to play. We saw Kenrich Williams kind of in this spot maybe like two weeks ago, maybe even like 10 days ago. I mean, there's been so much going on with this Thunder team as of late. But Williams, he comes in as a guy who really didn't have a real sense of direction. He had some traits, but he never really got to show him in real minutes. Finally cracks the rotation, and look at him now. He's filling in as a great starter and hell, maybe when SGA comes back, he still is starting over Diallo and Maladone once he comes back. Will he play in the starting unit or will Kenrich Williams still hold his spot there? Because he has looked like an NBA caliber starter. I mean, let's just be serious here. I'm not saying Justin Jackson 
is going to be that because I do think that Williams is a little bit more well-rounded than Jackson is, but he can definitely be a piece that we can just throw on the bench for 10-12 minutes and he can give you a bit of a spark. Inconsistency has been a struggle with him, but you never know. We got plenty of time here due to Alexei Pokachevsky having to be in the G League bubble. I will talk about his game in a little bit, but there's going to be that void at the power forward spot. We've seen guys like Roby and Muscala fly in and out in the active, inactive spots, and even Al Horford resting on back-to-backs. So that leaves you that little divot in minutes. He can come in and give you a little bit of something there. And you still got Darius Miller, who has been playing in the rotation. I think, honestly, it's going to be a fight with him for those minutes. Miller has not been playing near as much as Justin Jackson has. Miller's been hanging around like the 10 to 15 minute mark. Even though we only got eight players, he's just getting the short end of things. He brings the same flair. He's just a perimeter shooter. I'd say right now, maybe I'd give Miller a bit of an edge, but he can't play at the four like Justin Jackson can. So if you want to evaluate this by how they want to play defensively, switching all the time, Jackson works a bit better, and he may just absorb those minutes a little bit down the line. But you need to keep monitoring Justin Jackson because they could have another rotational player in him. Outside of his performance, though, there were three other guys who netted double digits. Hamidou Diallo and Horford both had 16, and Dort had 15. Diallo, all about penetrations. 6 of 15 on the night, and he shot 1 of 2 from downtown. 3 of 4 inside, so we got a couple of calls there. Nothing particularly new with him. He did have 3 steals, though. So it's great to see some activity, not just offensively, but defensively. Al Horford, real trusty in that first. As I said, 12 of his 16 came there. Then he slowed down a little bit. Only shot 6 of 15 and 3 of 8. So the efficiency definitely dropped. Only had 5 boards and 4 assists. And then Lou Dort, he's looked great. He has not been great from 3, but... The two-pointers and the defense makes up for it. Just one of five on threes, but he shot five of nine inside and even got to the line for three free throws, hit two of those bad boys, and then he got three boards, an assist, and a steal in 31 minutes. However, I think the favorite from this starting unit, it's got to be Kenrich Williams again. He played 36 minutes in this game. That is second most to just Hamadou Diallo, who played 37, but he had seven points on three of eight shooting, one of one from downtown, but how about this? 11 rebounds and a career-high nine assists. He almost had a triple-double, you guys, and this is somebody who's going to be under the radar when we are talking about this game. It's just how it's going to be. You look at the points, but you need to look further. Kenrich Williams was the man who kept the Thunder together. Obviously, Justin Jackson was your surprise man, but every single second Kenrich Williams was playing, he, he was a positive player for the squad. Imagine getting nine assists right there. We have not seen Kenrich Williams pretty much having the ball at all. He went from the corner guy that you saw SGA kicking out to every once in a while to the guy cutting and getting the baskets and playing SGA's role at times, cutting inside and finding the open man. So 
really just monumental stuff from Kenrich Williams, not to mention the 11 rebounds. Four of those came on offense, and two of those came from that one play in the fourth quarter, but he's just all energy. It kind of just infects the whole entire team, and he needs to stick around, and he's just building up value, not just for our organization, but everyone around the league should probably take note of this guy. We may have our second kind of energy ball next to Lou Dort here with Williams. The last member of the starting unit, Darius Baisley, he was struggling a bit. He actually posted on his Instagram story, like, I think it was like a picture of him playing from last night or whatever, and the caption, he was like, you know, this might be a tough time, but I'm going to work through it. He's been a little bit of a rough, rough patch, um, just seven points on two of nine shooting, pretty flustered about all game. I think his decision making in the fourth period specifically kind of stung a little bit. He tends to tense up. I distinctly remember he was at the left wing and he had a complete mismatch. I believe it was Jokic or something on him. So he was given a lot of room. Actually scratch that. It was Jermichael Green. But Jermichael Green was giving him like five feet of space. Darius Baisley with his shot is getting that off. That's a wide open shot for him. What he did is he just, I mean, he was like spamming just between the legs moves. He thought it was 2K or whatever. So he was, he was rattling those off and he did it for about five seconds. By that point, I mean, if you see someone trying to isolate, you're going to play a little bit more serious. So Jermichael Green steps up, that shuts down the three-point shot. And he's not looking to drive inside either. So he kind of just wasted the time away, turned into a dead possession. Whenever he's at his best, he can be the best player on the floor either side. But there's other times where he does kind of just slump to the point where, you know, maybe he's not the best person to play in, in crunch time. But I'm glad Mark Dagnall wants to keep giving him time here. There's no reason he shouldn't be playing because he needs to be able to work through this if he wants to be a major part of the future. I think he is, and he should be able to get over this. He's going to have another chance to in our next game, and it's going to be against probably his toughest matchup of the year, as the Thunder will be playing against the Milwaukee Bucks on Sunday at 7 p.m. You already know Giannis Adenakumpo is at that power forward spot. I'd say Baisley is about the same Actually, who am I kidding? He's not really the same frame, but he does he does have a nice wingspan, pretty athletic, so we'll be cool to see how he matches up with the Greek freak. But moving right along to the OKC Blue game, they they just dominated in their first game. I mean, this was their second game of a back-to-back. -back. If you all remember from the last podcast, they ended up beating the Salt Lake City Stars by 36 points. So they were riding high. But they had to face probably their toughest matchup of the year in the G League Ignite. And if you guys don't know, the G League Ignite is pretty much built with some of the best prospects in the 2021 draft class. As well as some very solid veterans. You got Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga who are both projected top 10 picks. I think Jalen Green is mocked around the 3-5 to five spot. Kuminga's around the 4-6, to six, I'd say. So they're very good. And you even got guys off of the bench such as Isaiah Todd and Deshaun Nix who were 
really highly touted recruits. I know for a fact Isaiah Todd was a five-star, but this is really just a whole collection of blue-chip prospects who would be on the Kentuckys of the world right now, the Dukes of the world right now, but they wanted to play in the G League and get professional ball in their resume before heading on to the NBA. But along with that, they got guys with extensive NBA resumes. Jared Jack is playing big minutes on this team. Amir Johnson is playing for them too. And Bobby Brown, who, if you guys know from a couple years ago, came off the bench for the Houston Rockets, kind of just bounced around like Euro League to Euro League, settled in there and was very nice. I think he's like 38 years old, but he can still hoop. Didn't play in this one, but you already know he was helping mentor some of the younger guards heading into this game. So these two teams both undefeated. The Blue were looking to go 2-0 and still be unscathed in the win-loss column, but they were going to have a real battle on their hands if they wanted to continue to keep that up. And at the start of the game, the G League Ignite caught. They went on a 7-0 run after Alexei Pokachevsky had three turnovers in the first 90 seconds of the game. But after that, the Blue, they got their heads back into the ball game and they went on a 9-0 run to actually take a two-point lead. And then neither side had much of a run left in them. They were deadlocked at 20 through the first 12 minutes, tight game, just like the one against the Salt Lake City Stars. But the second period, that's when you saw the blue kind of just break off and look dominant. Came through Moses Brown. He had a big second quarter against the Stars. In this one against the Ignite, he had eight points off four or five shooting, and he helped propel the blue in front of the Ignite for the majority of of that quarter and by the end of the quarter thunder assignees in ty jerome and pokachevsky started looking pretty sweet ty jerome had three assists in the closing minutes and pokachevsky he hit a couple of three pointers by the end of it so the thunder were barely up they were up just 48 to 45 and they had almost identical stat lines through the first half they both were shooting 38% from the floor. And the only real differences were the Ignite. They had two more threes under their belt while the Blue, they had two more makes at the free throw line. And you may just equate that to two points. But in the G League, in order to shorten game time, the first 46 minutes of play, if there's a shooting foul, they only take one free throw. So if it's a shooting foul, it, that's normally a two. It's one free throw that counts for two points. And if it's from the three-point arc, one free throw for three points. So those two free throws, it's not just two points. It's probably around the four to five range that you are talking about here. So going into the second half, it was close. They just needed to keep fighting and, you know, they could get the W. But Ignite guard Jalen Green was not having much of that at all he had 11 of his 21 points in that third quarter off of four of four shooting and also Jonathan Kuminga he came into his own he hit two shots and he also attached his name to the free throw line so he added on to his total of 24 points by the end of the, the game right there 
But the OKC Blue, they also had a bit of a response of their own. It wasn't through just one or two guys. It was the whole team. Infectious shooting from three. They shot 6 of 10 to build a 78 to 72 lead entering the fourth quarter. But to start out the fourth, the Ignite were burning hot. And they ended up taking the lead in the quarter. And they were leading, entering the final few possessions of the game. And OKC had a chance to tie. They were down three with about two minutes to go. And Alexei Pokachevsky, he wanted to be the man that was shown on all the highlight reels. So he's around 30 feet away from the basket, top of the key. Got a man semi-close to him. He thinks he can create some separation. Hits him with a little bit of a step back. And then he loads up for the three. Jacks it up. Puts a lot of heat into this thing. Hits the backboard. Hits the side of the rim. It's no good. The G League announcers were not too fond of that shot. They were complaining about it. Just let Poku shoot the ball, man. Maybe it wasn't a great shot. And maybe it was not close, but I, I don't know. So he ends up missing that shot and then really just like the thunder game it was more or less a free throw contest that the ignite won fairly easily and they ended up outscoring the blue by 12 in the quarter to take the w outscored them 37 to 25 on 55 percent field goal shooting to win the game the blue in the fourth by the way just shot 36 percent Close game through and through. There were 16 ties in the game and 16 lead changes. And the status of the game, really never imminent. All until the final buzzer. No one really knew who, who was going to take it. But the tough performance from the blue kind of etched this game into stone. Despite the loss, though, the blue actually had four members of their team place in double figures and it started with chase on randall playing at shooting guard he led the team in scoring he had 22 points on 8 of 19 shooting randall he looked great in the salt lake city stars game i think he shot seven of eight so not as efficient here was nice from three-point land though went two of three had four boards and two assists however I'm going to say Moses Brown probably overplayed him because Moses Brown, he ended up dropping 20 points and 8 rebounds on the game, 5 of 10 from the field, and his best play from the game came inside. He ends up getting the ball down low, and he has on him the Ignite's center in Dante Hall. And if you guys know, Dante Hall... He's kind of been a beast in the G League for about a year or so now. And he even played in the pros for a little bit last season. And he was not that bad. So he got brought down to the Ignite. Kind of a top marquee prospect who they who can go to the NBA right now. He ends up just looking like a baby. Moses Brown gets it. Backs him down one time. Moves him like two feet. He's right under the rim. Soar up for that two-handed jam. He's dunking it right down on him. And... It wasn't just on offense where he was beasting. It was on defense too. He had four blocks on the game. Nobody could really defend Moses Brown. If he kept getting the ball in the fourth, the Blue might have actually won this game. I will say, another guy who shot really well was Antonius Cleveland. Leading scorer in the Salt Lake City game. He had 25 points. 
In this game, he just had 14, but it was on 6 of 8 shooting. He created 3 steals off of a lot of pressure to source out on the other end, so it was not just a one-trick game from him. Ty Jerome, though, obviously being a member of the Thunder, everyone was looking for more from him. He was pretty cold in the first game, and it looked a lot better. He had 11 points and 5 assists in 21 minutes in the game. Was not great from three-point range, though. Just one of seven, but he was pretty solid passing the ball around. He was creating some nice open looks inside and outside as he was kind of just like strolling through the three-point arc to around the free-throw line. He got a lot of high ball screens from Moses Brown to get some looks here, and he was making good reads to hit the open guy. And including this, he had like a baseball pitch that he ended up throwing. He was around the right wing, and it didn't really seem like he would be able to pass the ball around, but he just chucks it. I think it was a left-handed throw, too. He cocks it, the, it back, and he like just he pitches it. He puts a lot of heat down, throws it right inside for the easy layup from him. Other signee, though, Alexei Pokachevsky still was pretty frigid. Uh, has not warmed up to the Orlando Sun just yet. He just had six points off of two of 13 shooting. Two of eight from downtown as well. Also had seven turnovers in five fouls in 26 minutes. On the positive though, he did have a nice couple of passes. He had five assists on the game, including a couple that came off of his signature jump pass. With Pokachevsky, you know, we're not going to expect him to be dropping like 20 points, 20 rebounds every game, yeah. But, you know, you do want to see a lot more from your 17th pick. You can't rule him out as a bust because, I mean, he just started playing. He's a very young guy who is, I mean, he doesn't really have the NBA body yet. Uh, he needs to get into the motions, and as you saw in his time with the Thunder, little bit new to the style of play too because especially just goaltending wise <laughs> he loved to just tap the ball right out the cylinder he hasn't done that yet with the blue yet so that's a positive but just other stuff like that just needs to get adapted to everything still very confident in his shot really i mean he has a poker face so when he shoots the ball you don't know if he's shooting in like secretly is super PO'd or if every shot he feels like it's going in I don't know if he forces it because you know he wasn't feeling it but he still shot eight threes it's something that will need to be kind of ironed out but that's why you throw him with the blue you know you, you hope it doesn't hurt his confidence I I know that whenever he first initially came over people were a bit upset because they thought you know if Poku struggles here He's probably going to be at a bigger rock bottom than if he just played the whole season with the Thunder. And it makes sense because the Thunder, they kind of want to lose games as well. So Pokachevsky might help there and you still develop him playing against the best of the best. But the flip side was he wasn't going to be able to play the kind of style that he would like to unless he was with the blue. So, I mean, you're going to see seven turnovers when he's trying to be the initiator on the offensive end. I think shooting wise, just a bit too cold really close almost every shot too like he's jumping he's jumping shots up right in front of a player 
and it will just barely miss the mark. But you got to hit more than just 2 or 13 shots, man. Something that will need to be worked on. One man, though, that I did love, he really didn't show up too huge in the stat sheet. It's Melvin Frazier. I always got to talk about him, but he, in this game, had a very nice kind of like hop-step dunk. He was really just a corner sitter in this game, sadly. It's something that has just kind of been how he's been used like all throughout his career, but he can do a little bit more than that. In space, he is a threat. And that one main time when he was in main space, he made the Ignite pay. He had seven points on the game as well as two rebounds and an assist. For the Ignite, Jalen Green looked amazing. He was going up for lobs. He was throwing lobs. He was shooting off the dribble. Really just, he looked like a top pick in the game. I think Jonathan Kuminga, though, is probably more what the Thunder style would fit. Like, you know, for number one, it'd probably be Cade Cunningham. But when you start looking around to like, let's say we get the third or fourth pick. Jonathan Kuminga is going to be on the board here. And he was playing the small forward position in this game, actually. But he can most definitely move up into the higher positions of play. He is, right now, he's six foot six, but he plays a lot taller than that, to be quite honest with you. I think you could slide him in at the power forward and he wouldn't be too shabby. He had 24 points on 7 of 15 shooting, 3 of 5 from downtown, but he got in for free throws. This man was a monster in the lane. 7 of 10 there, and he also had 6 rebounds and 4 assists. Looks like a shot creator on the interior. He was taking it right to everyone. I think Pokachevsky was guarding him at one point from about the top of the elbow. Kaminga puts it between the legs, blows right by him, and throws it down with the left hand. Athletic freak. If he's able to continue to shoot and scrap up boards, I would love to have him. I mean, we don't necessarily have... We don't have a three or a five, really, because Dort, he's playing at the three, but... I mean, he's more like a two guard. So, you can put him back down to the two guard. You can get Kuminga in there, and he can be a true beast on offense and also on defense. He had two steals on the night, and he could do much more damage down in the long run. He's only 18 years old as well, and dropping 24 points, you need to take a solid look at Kuminga. There's probably going to be a time where I conclude the G League bubble maybe next month, and I'll definitely rope back in players such as Jalen Green and Kuminga, but Kuminga is definitely the person you will need to put your telescope on. Jarrett Jack for the Ignite was also solid too. Clearly, we're not going to pick him up. He's he's an old man in terms of uh, NBA age now, but he had 16 points on 6 of 18 shooting, so kind of throwing it up every time he could, but still sized up a solid total on the point category, so good on him also former five-star Isaiah Todd he looked great too he had 12 points and seven rebounds in just 21 minutes of play the blue though they're going to have their next game against the Canton charge on Sunday both teams are one and one one of those teams will go up above the 500 mark other one will slide into the bottom but I will make sure to 
probably keep you guys updated. I don't know if I'm going to go as extensive now since we've kind of gotten through the big first two games. But we'll see what I do there, depending on what you guys want. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.